podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, the big game is almost here and we've teamed up with DraftKings to get us all in the game. This week, you can play fantasy football for a shot at the $1 million top prize. $1 million. You heard that right. DraftKings is giving away $6 million in token prizes with a million going to the winner. The sign-up link is in the pod description, our show notes, and we'll put it out on our social channels as well at the NC Show. So get involved and start making your picks. This contest locks on the 13th of Feb at 11.30 p.m., 18 plus only. Be gambleaware.org. Eligibility restrictions apply. See the website for details. And welcome to the Nat Coombe Show. I am Mike in the house with his Super Bowl preview. He's going to give us his keys to the game. We'll talk about some of the other big narratives flying around the big show. We'll also lead off by getting into the new head coach in Miami. Before all that, though, gang, just want to make an announcement. A big shout out to our new sponsors, DraftKings. Yep, we're working and teaming up with DraftKings. Firstly, for the Super Bowl rolling this in to next season. Really, really delighted to be working with them. It means we're going to be dropping some fantasy content for you going into next season. A fantasy show coming your way as we expand the pod network. Lots of good stuff rolling. In fact, we're going to be rolling through the off-season. College days, of course, will be hotting up. We'll be doing plenty of NFL shows as well. And as I say, later on in the spring-summer, keep your eyes peeled for our fantasy shows. A shout out to DraftKings. Looking forward to working with them. Let's get down to business and check in with the brilliant Iron Mike. Iron Michael Carlson. Good to see you, man. What's Iron going on? Michael. That's the formal version. I thought I'd get formal. Super Bowl week, I thought I'd get quite formal with it. Uh, what's going on? How's life? Uh, life life's okay. Um, no problem. Yesterday was very weird with no football on. Um Yeah. You know, I, I watched uh, some bits of this, the Shrine game in the Senior Bowl, but... Um, Didn't watch the Pro Bowl. The what? The Pro Bowl. <laughs> it's, it's Actually, but I watched it. I watched it with the boys, and they, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. And then I showed them that... Did you see the, uh, Dion Sardis' tweet as well? Just yeah. ab- absolutely scathing about it. I mean, it's, it's just... I mean, I love all the skills stuff. That's all fun and everything else. But the game... What, what's the answer? What do they do? They, they- there is no answer. I mean, it's, it's just an idea that's past its prime. Um, yeah, the skills stuff is, is interesting. You notice that I, I decided that the um, um, whack-a-mole quarterback thing, where, where they put a defensive back in front of the in front of the uh, wall with the holes in it in the quarterback. Yes. So I, that's the NFL's new overtime decider. Um, <laughs> in, instead of playing overtime, each team gets to pick one guy to defend the wall and the quarterback throws at it. And if the quarterback oh, knocks over it. the wall, the game I is over. I love it. You might give it 14 years and we'll be there. Hey, just one quick one. And apologies. I, I can't remember where this came from. I saw it flying in the, in the social media ether somewhere last night, but a good idea for replacing the pro Bowl. Somebody said, have the, top oh the bottom two i should say worst teams teams with the two worst records and have them have them have one final game to decide the number one overall pick i quite like the idea of that it's kind of too much 
for for the idea. And everybody's talking about the NBA style lottery, but does nobody remember David Stern, you know, reaching around for the frozen ballot that had that was the New York Knicks so that they could take Patrick <laughs> Ewing? It was bizarre. Like, what, what is it now? 30 years later, people are still screaming conspiracy <laughs> about that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not that worried by, by, by the whole tank thing. I, I don't know why you need, you don't need a pro bowl, uh, obviously anymore. They used to play a third place playoff game, you know, the, um, at one point in the NFL where the, the two losing teams in the conference God. would play for third place in the season. But then they decided that was, you know, it, it just didn't have a point. And, and the Pro Bowl doesn't have a point. No one needs the money. No one cares which conference is superior to the other one. Um, mm. You know, and it, the only thing that could happen is someone's going to get hurt sooner or later. What's more soul destroying? The that former third place playoff in the NFL, the third place playoff in the World Cup. I, mean, I think, <laughs> I think they called it. I think they called it the runner up bowl. Oh god, <laughs> even worse. <laughs> that is even worse. So I'd keep the Pro Bowl, keep the nominations, keep the nods and everything, and and the skills stuff, and just have a jolly and, and forget the game. I think yeah, I the- think NFL UK asked, you know, who are you most looking forward to seeing the Pro Bowl? I said Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who he had? Uh, hey, Mike. Before we talk Super Bowl, Mike McDaniel, I'm just being completely selfish and I want to get your take on this, Mike, because I haven't asked you yet off camera. Mike McDaniel as the Finns new head coach. What yeah. do you think of that? Well, it's a bit of a surprise because his name had been, you know, floating around in That's the, all, um, right. you know, all, all of the candidate things. It's it, it's it's actually a great move. And people didn't talk about this. And I apologize because I didn't either. But we've all been so scathing about the Rooney rule. Mm. that we did ignore the fact that the NFL rewards teams that lose coaches to to head coaching jobs or executives to GM jobs by um, who are minorities by giving them bonus draft picks. So Mm. San Francisco is going to get two third round draft picks because Mike McDaniel was hired by the Dolphins. The Dolphins don't lose anything, but, you know, and, and that to me, I didn't, I've, I've said for a while, I don't really like it because it's, it's too much of an effect on the, on the actual game. Just like I didn't like taking draft picks away from the Patriots, you know, when, if, if the management mis- misbehaves or, or if you think they do whatever, mm-hmm. but it is in fairness, a much more effective way of getting black black minority whatever hires through the league because it encourages teams to build up their assistant coaches and rather than just boohoo when they inevitably leave if they're talented and good you know you actually have a reason a motivation um to make them attractive to other teams yeah um because you pick up you pick up those draft picks so um san francisco benefits out of this mcdaniel has been around uh you know um quite a while with shanahan um and uh for a long time yeah there's a good piece uh by cameron hogwood who writes some excellent stuff for the sky sports website uh give him a shout out and he uh had written about mcdaniel a couple of years back and he's retweeted it so you can find that on on twitter one of the interesting things he points out is how early mcdaniel started in the film room right and drawing Hmm. parallels uh well yeah i mean and it was mike 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 shanahan hired him as an intern right I don't even know if they paid, you know, it was, it was one of those jobs like Belichick's first job. I was going to say, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. It's a fact there's a pattern here. You've always said that the amount of time Belichick put in the film room, you know, yeah. and, and just cutting tape and watching all that tape, that foundation. And it's no coincidence that a lot of the, 
uh, either more successful or in demand uh, coordinators and coaches right now have done the same thing that Belichick was doing 50 years ago, right? Yeah, you know, and I think it was six or seven years. It wasn't until he was in Washington, maybe his second or third year in Washington, that he actually had a title other than coaching assistant, you know, mm. um, or into where he was like, I think he started as assistant tight ends coach, which is, you know, since you only have one, you probably only have three tight ends on your roster, needing two separate coaches for him is, <laughs> is, is, it a little bit. is pretty much stretching it. But yeah, um, you know, and then and then basically Kyle's taking him along to Cleveland and to um, to Atlanta and, and to San Francisco. And, and so he's a Yaley, um, you know, grew up in my or went to college in my backyard. Um, I was trying to look up, see how well he played at Yale, but I couldn't find anything on that. Um, but, you know, there's the Ivory Leaguers are coming along. The, the guy, um, you know, the, um, we've had the new GM in Minnesota is an Ivory Leaguer, um, you know, he is so that's 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 something there i i think it's interesting because between between kyle shanahan and you know sean mcveigh and and uh whatever you, you you've got this coaching tree that's it's 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 kind of like a baby tree <laughs> you know it's not like a big oak kind of kind of tree um you know from from like um like bill walsh or or uh you know paul brown or something like that it, it, it's kind of like this little baby tree and all all of these little buds are falling off of it <laughs> finding little shoots you know shoots and branches it's like muppet babies to the muppet show i think is where yeah, I, absolutely where I go with that uh well good stuff listen uh carlson we'll get, but, get together you know that that bounces back to our game to the super bowl game right? obviously because right. you know you've got two coaches out of this sort of out of the same stable well, yeah. Well, let's get into it because there are other coaching changes, front office personnel changes as well. We will get into those next week. How about that? Uh, when we get to the big game, I don't mind. Uh, well, we're going to get the big game. There's a lot we're going to get into the big game. So let's let's. I uh, want to get your take on a lot of things, and we're going to look. Oh, at- also, one other thing on Miami before we do do it. It's I I I don't know, and so I wouldn't spec. Well, I will speculate, but the Dolphins facing Brian Flores' lawsuit. Yeah. It doesn't hurt them to hire a minority coach. Mm, Let's put it that way. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cynical perspective, but interesting nevertheless. All right. We will start with the Rams, I might, because when you look, obviously, at the the way these teams have been built, and of course, the Bengals have had their fair share of free agency pickups as well. It's not as if they've been built entirely through the draft. Of course, the spine of this offense has been... Uh, through the latter and uh, uh, the Rams are altogether different in that respect, right? They have been consistently for the last few years, giving up draft capital to get ready to go players and superstars right now. And that uh, has created this perception of they're all in and they win now. So first question, if they don't win on Sunday, is the game up given the salary cap problems they've got? They've got another shot at it next time around. Or do you think this is very much win or bust for this incarnation of the Rams? That's a, you know, that's a really good question because they've been very adept at managing their salary cap so far, given all of the big names that are there. Um, you remember they signed Leonard Floyd, um, to a one year deal. And then after that first year, they signed him to a, it was like four years, 60 some odd million dollar contract, you know, and they've already got all these other big contracts in there. So, um, I, I agree. I don't think they can keep that team together for very long. Although given how many draft picks they could up, they kind of need to do it, keep it for one more year. Mm. Um, 
there may be a sense there that everything broke right for them this year, um, including a including a conference championship game where the where the referees refused to call holding on, on their offensive line, um, which was a, a huge plus <laughs> for them as These well as help. Yeah. as well as three fifteen yard penalties for unsportsmanlike conduct against the uh, the Bucks. But but anyway, um, you know I. I I like Les Snead a lot because if you're going to use that kind of tactic, um, you have to take advantage of lots of opportunities. And, you know, when when Robert Woods, who they signed right at the beginning of the process, like 2019, um, and he, and people forget he was a big free agency signing at the, at the time when they when they signed Robert Woods and that now and then he got hurt this year. They first they went out and they got Deshaun Jackson. Smart pickup, you know, on the on the street, basically. Um, He hasn't been what they hope, but he's turned in a few big plays during the season. Um, And so they then um, went out and got Odell Beckham. But again, he was on the street as a free agent. And when you're in this position, you're very attractive to free agents because come, come and join a team with a real chance to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it's a short commitment too, if the money's not great in Beckham's yeah. case or in the, the cryptocurrency in Beckham's case, even better. Yeah. I'm sure uh, that was the argument with Beckham, yeah. you know. Um, what do you got to lose? Halfway especially with your, you know, I mean, I don't know if you say it in so many words, but especially with your recent past, you know, you play on a Super Bowl winner and contribute and everybody looks at you in a completely different light now. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. You, you're back to being a key, a key. They traded, they made little trades, you know, the one for Austin Corbett, that was back, in 19 or 20 um, that he's, he's still probably as good a lineman as they have given that Whit- Whitworth is in and out of the lineup with injury. Mm-hmm. Um, the one for Sony Michelle. Yeah. Um, you know, because Cam Akers went down. So they, they've, they've been able to move in and replace guys when they have, and they've also signed, you know, they've done pretty well at the bottom end of the draft, which is all they have left. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Picking up waiver wire guys. I mean, I like Justin Hollins a lot as a player. I think he's got, you know, versatility and 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 can play. Darius Williams was waived by Baltimore, and he was a good pickup. Um, and Luke Scott has played really well in this playoff run, and he was a seventh-round pick. So, you know, you got to give them some credit. They may not be able to make another run at this, but like mm. I say, things have broken well for them. You know, I doubt they would have expected to be favorites by so many points going into the Super Bowl. Let's talk Beckham a bit more in terms of how he has gradually and steadily uh, improved his output and they have gradually and steadily understood how to use him more effectively. Can you break down why that's happened? Like what has, well, I mean, part of, part of it is part of it is learning the system, you know, and, and understand and understanding it more. And I think part of it too, is accepting your role, which he didn't never really did in Cleveland, you know, and his role in Cleveland was often to be a decoy and to block. Mm. And in fairness, a guy with his talent is, you know, is misused if he's not actually getting the ball sometimes. But you saw it a lot. You saw it a lot in in um, the the game two weeks ago. You know, against the Bucks, he and Higby were were actually the guys targeting being targeted for the passes when they were trying to keep Cup under control, um, which they didn't do in the end because. And and it's a little misnomer. Cup basically destroyed them when they were in zone. If you go back and why, anytime they went into a zone and Cooper Cup was running through those zones, he's such a good 
reader of of the field and finding those those open spots. It, yeah. it was good, but but Beckham's catches were the, were really the key to the game. Higby's contributed a lot, and and it brings back that Robert Woods dimension. Mm. Um, and Beckham's a lot like Woods. He's not a pure deep receiver, but he can beat you deep. He can run the intermediate routes. And in the time that Woods was out, Cup really stepped up. And Cup became the number one receiver. You know, they were kind of, he and Woods were kind of joint number ones, but everyone was saying, oh, Cooper Cup, you know, he's still, you know, a slot guy or a possession guy, you know, can't beat people. He can, mm. um, you know, and, and what they do a lot of, and, and you'll see as well, is they motion him, they motion the guy, they try to get him a free release. Um, so, so much of the time when he's running his patterns, he's coming, he's actually in motion when he hits the line of scrimmage, right? Uh, without somebody standing over him and, and contacting him, yeah. him at the line, at the line of scrimmage. But do you think then that bringing this onto Cooper Cup, that his standout season, and it's it obviously in terms of how prolific he's been in the numbers, has been primarily down to opportunity that it was always in yeah. him. But he just hasn't had the shot to, to be that type of receiver. I, I, yeah. I mean, he's improved over the course of his career, but, but he, he had that talent. He was terribly undervalued coming out of college because he's a melanin challenged guy from Eastern Washington, you know, not, not from a big, a big school. Um, so he's, he's had that talent. Um they used him, like I said, it was almost like a joint number one, but they used them in, in, in different ways. And then he stepped up when he had to. And opportunities, the whole thing in the NFL, um, you know, everything's context because it's such a team game, you know, and, and I've had this discussion twice in the last week. One, when I picked my all rookie team on, on Friday morning tight end and someone was saying, how can you pick Mac Jones ahead of Trevor Lawrence and, and Davis Mills? And I said, well, I, I discussed, you know, I considered Mills more than Lawrence and I yeah. think Mills did really well. But when you're talking an all rookie team context is everything, which guys get a chance to play some, some rookies who did, who will have better seasons, then Cooper Cup, say at then Cooper Cup, then Mac Jones at quarterback didn't play much or didn't mm-hmm. play well because they were in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. There were guys who didn't play at all as rookies who will have great careers, but mm-hmm. but context is is everything there. Um, and the same thing is true of quarterbacks. You know, talking about Matt Stafford and you know where does he you know. He's he's got the most wins of any quarterback with a losing record, and by a lot. I mean, his losing record was like by fourteen games or something. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that is context, and you know, we forget. We tend to blame the team when the quarterback loses, and 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 credit the quarterback when the team wins. But you know, the truth is somewhere in between in in, in any situation. On the, some of the pickups they've made, Von Miller is where I want to go next. Actually, he was clearly. A little bit banged up earlier, right? Did he, he play at hundred percent when he started? He's got into a groove as well. Again, is that uh, primarily down to the fact he's feeling his? Uh, you know, his Miller's in a great. Shopping? He's in a great situation, and and his arrival has made Leonard Floyd that much more dangerous. Although mm. Floyd really impressed me against the Rams with how well he was playing outside of pass rush. Um, he covered a couple of times, but he was playing the run better than I can remember seeing him. That was always supposedly his weakness. You know, he, he's a tall, skinny guy who can't set the edge, but he, he was flying around uh, like a linebacker. But that having Miller on one side and Floyd on the other side and Aaron Donald in the middle mm. really creates a great situation because you almost have to double Donald. And that means you can only 
theoretically double one of the other two guys. Yeah. Um, so Miller definitely is back to what you said before in a great situation and is benefiting from that. Stafford is the last round I want to talk about uh, off the bat, because of course he was demonstrably uh, given the price that they paid for him a, a significant upgrade from Jared Goff. Now that's clearly worked out to a degree, although you, Goff apologists got argue well, he got him to the Super Bowl as well. But in terms of the overall style of the offense, yeah, and, how and much of an upgrade has it been? You, it's been a big upgrade. And you remember, I, I said this at the beginning of the season, and I wrote it as well. And the difference between him and and Goff is that Goff was better in a kind of rollout passing. He needed a moving pocket a bit because he doesn't stand in well against the rush. And Stafford is a straight drop back passer who will stand in against the rush you know and that's what he's very good at um he'll have some meltdowns it seems in every game make a bad decision make a bad read he sometimes makes his read and then tries to force the ball in like guys with really huge strong arms can do why do you think he has those meltdowns because we got into this the other week didn't we there are certain quarterbacks because they're built that way force the issue and that's why mistakes happen but a player of his experience why do they happen Why so consistently that these just flashes of what is he trying if, to do? I, if I were a psychoanalyst, I would say it's because he, rather than decide what the defense is giving him in, in all cases, he sometimes decides where he wants to go first mm. um, or he waits to see what's what's going to happen. And that's always a problem because the longer you wait to decide, the more you have to focus you know after that first second beat now you've got to get rid of the ball so you, you you're looking and whatever you're looking at is going to come and you may miss someone who's open it happens to everybody you know mm. that they miss they miss open receivers uh, on those kind of plays but he does it uh, and every now and again you get a pass like that blooper that should have been intercepted uh, by Jakowski Tart um, yeah. you know w- which where did that come from you know it, <laughs> it, it was really hard hard to figure out but basically he can deliver. He can put the ball in in small into small openings, um, and he can he he can throw it downfield really well. Which which in itself forces the defense to um, to adjust. He's accurate in the short range stuff. Uh, and one thing I like about what they've done so is they're using the tight end more. Um, when we did the Super Bowl. Uh, one of the things I could never understand was why McVay in the second half didn't go to a two tight end offense um, because the pa- the Patriots were taking were taking away uh, the outside the outside game and and, and let um, Higby and um, was it Everett uh, Everett Gerald I was thinking Eng- Ingram um, e- Everett um, they're the same player Everett and Ingram uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically um, you know and let let them work in the middle work in the middle of the field but they've done that really well with with Higby in in the last few weeks as well and he uh you know that's that's going to be probably another key uh to the game we'll see all right we'll sneak that later on uh, on to the Bengals and the way that this uh, roster has, has been uh, assimilated and uh, as i suggested at the top it isn't all about the draft but of course that's the, the big part no uh, yeah and you know they're traditionally one of the cheap teams in the NFL. Yeah, a hard, you know, a hard place to attract. Uh, all, all those years that Marvin Lewis was getting nine and seven and you know ten and six records, and then losing in the first round of the playoffs, they always they always seem to be that one or two steps you know short 
of being a great team. And it wasn't Marvin Lewis's fault as much as Mike Brown and the Brown family wasn't going to go out and spend big money on big name free agents. They let Carson Palmer walk at the point where they had an offense put together to challenge the Colts. And they and the Colts were basically the same teams, but their defense was better than the Colts. Then mm. they let Carson Palmer go and, and they got, um, they drafted Andy Dalton, great draft pick, but he's not Carson Palmer. You know, you yeah. lose a dimension when he's yeah. at, when he's a quarterback. So, so on that I, though, with just bringing those points together, I, someone was making the argument this week that obviously now in 2020 hindsight, they're a Super Bowl team and uh, everything else. And it's going to be it's relatively straightforward. You would think given the youth, nucleus to continue to attract high talent free agents but when a player like Trey Hendrickson came over and it wasn't clear that where they were going was that almost entirely down to the borough factor that I'm seeing it could be I mean I you might over I think the fact that the Bengals were offering made a big difference Mm. you know you we want you to be our number one pass rusher is a good argument you know and and Nobody predicted the Bengal. I mean, they were in such a hard division. Again, these are two teams that things both broke right for, mm. you know, injuries in Cleveland, injuries in Pittsburgh, injuries in, in Baltimore. Baltimore right. um, and they, they stayed relatively healthy um, through the season. And of course, and Burrow, you know, exploded. But but they spent big money on Hendrickson and they made a lot of less big money, but very astute signings for the defense. They, you mentioned right at the top, they drafted for the offense. They drafted the skill position players, you know, and they mm-hmm. drafted T. Higgins in the second round a couple of years ago. And, and they drafted Boyd, I think, in the third a couple of years before that. So, you know, they, they had skill position players, but they, um, TJ Reader, yep. uh, Ogan Joby, who's not playing because he was injured a couple of weeks ago. Um, they traded for BJ Hill, small trade, you know, Billy Price, they'd given up on, but um, as a center, but, um, you know, all of a sudden they put together a strong defensive line for Hendrickson and Hubbard was the holdover. And Hubbard was the key guy in my mind against Kansas city, because for a lot of the game, they, they played a three man line with Hubbard dropping off and spying Mahomes. Uh, and then coming on the rush if if no back was there to 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 uh, pick up, so they were pulling eight back. Yeah, um, I'm not sure why this messed up the Chiefs so much. Von Bell was coming up as a, as a robber the way that um, the way that uh, the Bucks had played them in the Super Bowl. But again, they they should have been expecting that kind of thing. So I'm not mm. sure why. Kansas City played so badly offensively in the second half, but that's what changed at halftime and give them credit for, you know, for changing what what they were doing. But then in the secondary, if you look at the guys that they've signed, Von Bell from the from the Saints, um, Awuzie from Dallas, Hilton from the Steelers, Eli Apple from the Saints. Trey Waynes from Minnesota, Ricardo Allen from Atlanta. They even signed Hargreaves. He, he's not playing, but Hargreaves was. These are all guys who were big draft picks yes. a few years ago. And they haven't all had great careers, but they were, you know, they were looked at as being really talented guys. And they got is Trey that, Flowers. Is that a coincidence, Mike, or is that a tactical decision to say we're going to. I think it was a tactical decision and, and pretty good. You know, they didn't have to pay a lot of money for any of them. Mm. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Apart from being good, they're at least veteran players who understand what has to be done. So, you know, I think the secondary and Bates, who was a great draft pick, and I think is, you know, should have been in in the all pro 
conversation along with the with the Buffalo safeties and, you know, and a couple of other guys, because um, I think he's he's that good. Um, and Trey Flowers was waived by Seattle and they picked him up right away. And he's been a great fit for them because they have to cover a lot of big receivers and he can cover tight ends as well. Um you know, when they played Baltimore, he was covering Mark Andrews, uh, you know, if they weren't if they weren't in a zone. So, you know, I think that they're really strong up front, apart from, in you know, Ogun Joby would make them a whole lot stronger. But they, they're still strong up front. They're strong at the back. The weakness is in the middle, um, in, in the line, in the linebacker position. Um, and offensively, obviously, they've sold out. And they've put together their offensive line in much the same way. Um, but they're mostly they're mostly kind of guys off the street, apart from um, uh, Jonah Williams was a first round draft pick. And um, Carmen, who I think is coming back um, and I think we'll start if he does. And he was a second round draft pick um, just this past year. But, you know, like guys like Trey Hopkins in Spain, you know, they, they're available. You know, there's mm-hmm. guys like that available. Um, they work hard, but their their offense depends on Burrow getting rid of the ball, mm. um, you know, because, um, well, actually both teams do. But they they run empty backfield in an astounding number of plays for a team that has Joe Mixon. Mm. So we'll, look, I want to get into your keys in a mo, but let's touch on the coaches a bit more. You referenced them at the top and their connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to McVeigh first, because he the prototype in the last decade or so of the uh, of the young zeitgeisty coach that everybody <laughs> loved early on and was doing all this really innovative stuff. And, and then his, his star faded for a little while and he was actually under fire for quite a lot of this season, in fact, let alone anything else. But of course, has, has hit back and has got the Rams back to the Super Bowl. What do you think McVeigh's flaws are as a coach why do you think that we started to see the shine fade a little bit yeah i I think part of it was the super bowl and 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 you know the inability to adjust i think um you know the he hadn't lost a game related halftime until the, the the last game of the season this year against san francisco which is something i mean that's that's yeah. a rare ability um but because he was young and because there was that video of him sort of was talking with awe to Bill Belichick before mm. the game and stuff like that. I think people people got the impression that he he might not be um, the total um, generalissimo or, or field commander that they um, they wanted. I don't know the story behind his letting Wade Phillips go. Yeah, um, you know, and they went, but they went to a different kind of defensive philosophy and brought star players in to to make that work around Aaron Donald. And, you know, and if, if you look at some of the guys they've let go and still still sure. they've got that good exactly. team, you know, Michael yeah, Brockers, yeah. for Brockers. example, yeah, you know, yeah. on, on the defensive line, um, a, a whole secondary, you know, Jefferson Hill, you know, those guys. Um, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. But McVeigh is a bit different from the rest of the Shanahan disciples because he came into the league with Gruden. You know, it was, it was John Gruden who first hired, and it was Jay Gruden who kept him on at Washington when right. after after Shanahan left. So he's a bit more of um, a West Coast philosophy kind of guy 
Um, you don't see that. You don't see the, the outside zone blocking as much as you do, you know, with that, with that 49er offense, um, with the speed trying to get through the holes and run first that way. It's more traditional in terms of the run game. Um, more traditional, although we haven't seen it yet in the playoffs in terms of getting the ball to acres out of the backfield, um, in, in a kind of more West Coasty kind of, kind of way. Uh, and, um, I think that he thought that golf was a good fit for that kind of offense and that bit just didn't work out. Mm. Um, and which is what, which is why they got cipher. But on paper, you would think golf skills would fit that kind of, that kind of Bill Walsh kind of offense. And, and strangely enough, Zach Taylor, who, um, obviously was the quarterback's coach, um, for the Rams when he was, when he was hired. Um, but, but he started off under his father-in-law. Right. Mike Sherman, who's who's also a more West Coasty kind of coach, um, because he and he coached um, um, at, at um, I think he coached today and he coached for Miami under when Joe Philbin was there. And, you know, the NFL, the racial thing is one thing, but part of the racial thing is magnified by the fact of the old boys network. You know, mm-hmm. um, Kev, um, Mike Sherman and Joe Philbin. And um, the other guy they had to fire, um, Kevin, Kevin, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, But they all they all go back to like Worcester Academy in the late 70s where, you know, where Sherman was the coach at Worcester Academy and Joe Philbin was a student playing for him, you know, and and, and he was teaching, you know, and, and this kind of goes goes along. And, and, mm-hmm. and obviously, Zach Taylor at Nebraska was playing for Mike Sherman and married his daughter. So, you know, he's now that he's now, things up a fair bit. Yeah. We, yeah. Taylor, uh, you were mentioning the the outside zone. And that's obviously something that the Bengals look to do, right? And to talk us through the, the Taylor's offensive philosophy in a bit more detail, Mike. Well, like I said, they one of the impressive things I thought was that they kept running Joe Mixon on first down. Mm. And it, both, I've been a little surprised that McVeigh hasn't used Sony Michelle Moore in much the same way. And what happens is you keep running him on first down, which is, as the announcers kept saying in, in that game, first down is a great down to throw on. Well, you know, it is, but you want to catch him. You don't want to come out and, and basically signify your intent to throw on first down every time. So if you, if you do have that running threat that they have to pay attention to, you then can, um, can throw on first down when you really want to. And, that, on it, yeah. and it was very effective. Um, mm. The biggest play of the game to T Higgins was the first down. It's a great point. Was a first down pass. Um, so, so that, you know, so I, I think, I think he's willing to let Burrow make things happen out of empty sets because both these coaches trust empty sets. They think that they will scheme receivers open before you can get to the quarterback. And again, this is, I think, the main three points of the game. How long will you have when it's Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd Floyd rushing you? Um, That's that's a tough ask. You know, Mm. the the Rams get away with holding when the rush comes from the defensive line because the referees give you more leeway when you're engaged in that sumo Mm -hmm. first contact kind of thing. You know, I said last week on this show, and I'll repeat it because I think it's such a good line, but Rob Havenstein 
was the leading tackler for the Rams because he tackled Nick Bosa more than any running back got tackled. But when you're coming from the outside, from the outside linebacker or the wide nine position, the referees, it's more obvious when you hold because you don't start out in that kind of quick collision right. um, kind of mode. And that's where that's where more flags fly. And that's going to be a problem, I think, for the Bengals, um, you know, right from the start. Because, like I said, you have to double Donald inside. The, the, the Patriots won the Super Bowl because Joe Tooney blocked Donald man on man for almost the whole game. Mm-hmm. And again, if you watch the whatever it is, NFL films thing of the Super Bowl, Donald talks you, about actually it, yeah. see, you actually see Donald saying that, you mm-hmm. know, in the fourth quarter. It's my fault. You know, mm-hmm. I shouldn't let them single block me. And he, you know, he knew it, but there's nothing he could do. Tooney, Tooney just had one of those great games, um, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and frustrated him. He didn't beat him up or anything. He just frustrated him, and that's yeah, how enough. you have to cope yeah. with, with someone who's got that much talent. So this Bengals line, malign Bengals line, and it's worth pointing out. I think you made this point on the show this season that sack totals only tell some of the story when it comes to the competence of the offensive line because a good chunk of those can be on the quarterback, but nevertheless, it's, it's, it's a mismatch for sure. But we've seen, we thought it was a mismatch against the Bengals front in the AFC championship going into it. And of course the, the line performed much better than it had done the week before against the Titans. So clearly they've got to play closer to the performance they put in against Kansas city. But how realistic is that? Do you think Mike? Against yeah, see match? again, kid, the difference is the difference is the edge rusher. Mm. Kansas City doesn't have a Von Miller or even a Leonard Floyd coming right. off the edge. Their rush comes from the front four, um, which which puts you in with with more of a chance. Um, uh, they cope with it by by Burrow both standing in on the rush and making a little bit more time for himself. But he gets hit an awful lot. We said, you know, and he did last year. He, he missed half the season last mm-hmm. year because he he got hit so much. And what was it? Fifty one. Sacks, 51 sacks this season. Plus, yeah. yeah. Plus all the extra times that he's hit afterwards, yeah, you know, right. Um, he's young, he's tough, obviously, um, you know, he makes plays and he's good at making time. They're for going himself, to have he, Mike. He's, he's good at, he's good at making time for himself in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Despite all the, none those numbers. I mean, it, it, there would have been a lot worse. I think. He, yeah. If he were, if he were immobile. Yeah. yeah. And he, he, you know, and he, he does that thing that really good quarterbacks can do is, you don't have to scramble for space. You simply mm. take a step or in one yeah. direction or the other, or usually forward. Yeah. Um, forward's always tough against Darren Donald. That's why a lot of people were, were saying the Patriots would have problems with the Rams because Donald would take away that, that front step because Brady always likes to step forward in the pocket. It's what the Giants took away from him in both Super Bowls that they, that they played. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Burrow can get around that. They, if if um, Uzoma Uzoma doesn't play, that's an in- interesting problem for them because they really want that tight end. They need the to go that, yeah. to, to the tight end to um, as as a release um, because you're concentrating when they go empty backfield. You're concentrating on those, you know, uh, on Boyd who can who can hurt you. Um, Higgins Higgins is kind of like a. A less talented Debo Samuel mm-hmm. physically. He's big. He's got a long reach. Um, he's fast. Uh, he's not as consistent catching the ball, although Debo drops a few as well. He's not as good a runner after the catch, but he doesn't have to be. 
Um, and Burrow hits these guys in stride. And then, of course, you've got Jamar Chase. And Chase, you'll, you'll see a bit of it from Odell Beckham. But Chase is a big guy, strong guy, who gets yards after the catch. But when he catches the ball, he's like a bigger version of Tyreek Hill. He's got that same instantaneous spin, mm. twist, so that he's almost immediately facing forward and can take the defensive back in either direction. So mm-hmm. he, he throws the move immediately. Yeah. And he, he so often makes yeah, that first blur, guy just, What the hell just happened to me? Is he yeah. five yards exactly. down the, down the you road? Know, yeah. and, and it's one of those where the defense is thinking, I've got him covered. Well, he's made the catch, but you know, I've, he's not going to get any more yards. And he just mm-hmm. goes, chunk, and he's gone. And that's like Tyreek Hill, only he's big and strong. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's, and he's a monstrous threat because he'll also beat you deep. Um, and unlike Hill, if he beats you deep, he's a bigger target. You know, he, he, uh, if he's going down the line, you've got a much better chance of putting the ball over the defender's head yeah, and right. into his arms than, than you do with Hill. You know, you need, Hill really wants the ball in his bread basket um, and beats guys by so much. It happens a lot, but mm. yeah. So, so that's their, you know, that's, that's their hope really is, is um, to do it. And, and I actually think given the personnel, they're probably better off trying to beat that rush by passing them and by blocking, mm. you know, rather than holding receivers in and sending two or three out against the Rams secondary, send five out, mm. press, put pressure on them that way mm. and just tell Burrow, you know, and the game Fast plan release. Yeah. Get rid of the ball quickly. Yeah, right. What about the ground game, though? So the establishing of that for all kinds of reasons is important productivity uh, it, amongst the top of that list. But in terms of negating the, the pass rush. It, it negates pass rush. And given their line, their line is much more effective run blocking than pass blocking. Right. Um, you know, it takes it takes less skill to run block. I mean, because you're coming forward. You you don't have to worry about reacting to the defensive player's moves. Um, you don't have to. Your hands aren't as big a factor. Your feet aren't as big a factor. Your your road grading. So you know if they can establish the run, if they can catch if they can catch the um, the Rams in pass rush mode and break a few big runs, which Mixon's perfectly capable of. Yeah. Um, you know that that can set the offense. And to me, the really interesting thing to see would be if if the Bengals can get a break early early and jump out excuse me to an early lead how that then affects the Rams and and their um their offensive game plan mm. the Rams don't have a Joe Mixon um although you know between Michelle um and uh, acres they ought to be able to run the ball if if that's what they want to do mm. um they have their receiving threats you know obviously in 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 cup and um odell and um i think von jefferson is going to play um looking at the yesterday's um injury reports you know, right with an, with another week i should think he, he's he's back as well so yeah I, it's an interesting game that way Mike, you know, on and, that just on that point who is in more of a jam if they go behind two scores or similar behind early on so both teams- oh, oh if the rams take an early lead it's going to be really tough for the Bengals, right because then the rams 
can tee off on pass rush. Mm. Um, you know, you 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 don't want to make the mistake of sitting back too early and and giving these guys who are playmakers room to make plays. But, you know, they're going to have to throw if they you know, if they're down by. Seven. But, you know, the Chiefs do the same thing. Right. The, the Bengals, the Bengals are used to coming from behind, mm-hmm. you know, and, and scoring lots of points. Um, so. Again, it makes it a fascinating balance. The game I compare this to the most is the Rams against the Patriots in the 2001 season. Tom Tom Brady was, you know, Joe Burrow is, I'm not going to say Joe Burrow is Tom Brady, but Joe Burrow is like Tom Brady in that season in Mm. that they're beating better teams, not by Don. Um, you know, not by seeming to dominate them, but by making big plays or plays when they have to. And he's making those plays happen. Um, and then the question is, can their defense without any real big names do enough to slow down that that Rams offense? Mm. You know, the Rams were the team with the big names in the in that game. They, right. they were four. I mean, people now look at it and, and just think, you know, what, what the, you know, Washington team football, you know, was it was happening there um, because they were 14 point favorites. Mm. I, I don't know how you could get a Super Bowl nowadays where a team would be 14, 14. Point yeah, I don't, it's a you great know, point. What yeah, are, what's the line on the Bengals now? Four and a half. Four and a half. It? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're heavy I underdogs. Mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great. They learned point. they learned their lesson, you know. I will go back and watch that uh, game. That is, uh, I love the fact all the all the uh, Super Bowls are archived on Game Pass. I'm going to go and dig, uh, deep dive into that. That was the first of three. I'm Mike's keys to the game. What yeah, we've gone two? we've gone over that whole business with the pass rush and the Cincinnati offensive the line. Trenches, yeah. um, to me, I think the other key is look what they look what the Rams do with Jalen Ramsey. Mm. You know, does Ramsey cover Jamar Chase man to man? Do they leave? Ramsey on the other side of the field with man coverage on whoever's there and double um, chase, you know, keep a safety over him to try to contain him. That's going to be one of the interesting, interesting things to watch. What do you um, think? What do you think they'll do? Well, I think because I they'll commit to pass rushing a bit. Yeah, they'll they'll probably if it were me, I put Ramsey on him. Mm. Um, in it, and thereby not have to double anybody, which means you you're free to rush an extra player. Um, the ba- you you switch the balance to rush from yeah. cover from coverage. I don't know if Lou Anarumo is going to have the guts to sort of do that. It's a risk. It's a ga- uh, because- it's, a, it's a gamble as well, isn't it? Because the you talked about the the, the Rams re-upping, but you mentioned as well that they'd lost a lot of key pieces in the secondary. And that's probably the, 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 well, it is the weak link of this, uh, of this Rams defense, particularly when it's not Ramsey, right? So the, the gamble there is, well, yeah, you take, uh, you take chase or at least stifle him, but then Higgins and, and Boyd can, can make hay. Right. So it's a, that is a gamble. Oh yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, uh, um, I think, I think they don't have, they won't have to play Weddle. Um, mm. <laughs> this way. Well, I would have to play Weddle. Weddle was like, he was like a heat seeking missile, except he was only hitting people. It didn't matter. You know, he was hitting receivers late 
um, <laughs> after the ball had gone by. Right. He hit. There's one great play where where Scott, who's a seventh round rookie, you know, is is telling him where to go, and mm. he reacts and just knocks the guy. The first guy he sees, he just knocks <laughs> over. And I'm thinking, well, you know, nobody saw that. Nobody saw this. But you know, is yeah, the I think getting one of the one of the bushwhackers just bringing them in for <laughs> midway through midway through the season. Bushwhacker Luke is, is going to be playing. Yeah, and yeah. I mean the other then the other question for um if Hendrickson can get some rush and I, I think Whitworth probably plays and no Notaboom might even be fit if Whitworth isn't. So they probably get one of their first choice left tackles back. But if Hendrickson can get some pressure, mm. that's going to make a difference. And if they can clog the middle up enough to take Higby out of the game to force them to go to the wide wide receivers that might be you know that might be the, their formula for defense mm-hmm. um like i said they've got they've got guys who can cover um you know eli apple and and the rest mm-hmm. not not as consistent as you might like but you know every defensive can, back can be beaten yeah yeah, yeah. yeah sure. so that 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 de- it's always defense i look at first i think because mm-hmm. you know that's going to be what they're going to have to try to get around brilliant stuff carlson at carlson sports of course you know that but if you haven't given him a follow already what the hell have you been doing all these days <laughs> <laughs> quite frankly uh, Patrick, yeah. what do you do with the rest of your life <laughs> hey, it's, the, it's the best 12 minutes you can spend reading on a sunday you know Patrick, especially yeah. with, oh. with no get with no game i went i've been going over the top the last few weeks too it's really really bizarre over the top like stallone in the 1986 classic where he's yeah, an old wrestler Lincoln Hall. Yeah, I, I was really, in a sense, disappointed. I had an operation on my eye a couple of days ago. Um, oh, all cataract, good, all, all okay. cataract op. Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, it's it's recovering. But you know, I, I thought that they were going to, you know, that they cut your cut your retina off and put a new one on or something. And then no. the guy the guy explained to me that you know it's a laser beam and they're they're just burning away the the cataract bit. I said, oh, because I was gonna just as you went in with the scalpel, I was gonna go copy Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> I was so oh, looking forward God. to that. Uh, textbook. Patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMT. Get involved with that. And you'll be back right here, same time, same place next week, uh, to break down how it all went down. Have you always happy to always happy to contribute? It's uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, big man. Uh, have you is it too early to ask you for a prediction yet? Are you gonna wheel that out or? Right now, I'm. I'm. It's it's really hard. I really have that kind of underdog itch about the Bengals. Mm. Um, you know, I, the Rams are obvious favorites for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but you know, as I explain, it's funny because as I went through it in my mind this morning, I thought, yeah, Rams. Mm. In it, as I went through the matchups, and then when I explained them to you, I'm thinking. You know, I yeah. yeah, if I'm Cincinnati, I can so make true. that work. Yeah, so I can true. make that yeah, work. Yeah. Well, this I is can how, make this that is, work too. The Bengals team, so, right? So right now, I'm leaning to the. I'm leading to going Bengals. <laughs> And um, All right, so I probably will, I probably will advise Bengals plus the points, but mm. you know that to me seems like a cop out. You know, because mm. if if yeah, you like sure. the Rams or if you think the Rams are going to win, I, I don't think it'll be that close. Again. Yes, exactly. If the Rams win, I think the game might not be a, a close, close game. I, you know? I, that's where I'm leaning on it exactly. Yeah. So take yeah, Bengals money like Well, hey, we're going to get to all of that on edge rush. Maybe we'll dial in. I Mike's pick on that. Brilliant stuff, bud. Look after yourself. I'll see you next week. Okay, great. Have a good Super Bowl. Thanks, bud. Lovely stuff from Carlson. He'll be back next week to look back, pick through the bones 
of Super Bowl 56, and he will be a big part of our offseason. We're going to be rolling, rolling, rolling. As I mentioned at the top of the show, our DraftKings partnership, lots of fantasy stuff rolling. Uh, we're going to have college days, all kinds of goodness coming your way. Lots more Super Bowl pods coming your way too. If you haven't already, go check out Shane Vereen. He's in the vault. Speaking of college days, Ben Isaac's looking at some of the rookies and indeed some of the other key protagonists in the game and their college careers. We got the brilliant Ollie Connolly coming up as well, breaking down the X's and O's of the big game. And Big O and I will be doing not only an edge rush, edge rush Super Bowl special coming, but also uh, Propo is out in LA and he is going to be dropping in a Super Bowl special from on the ground. So there is lots of good pod, uh, content coming your way over the course of the next few days to get you set for the big show. So sit back and enjoy, and we'll see you for the Ollie Conley Show. I think that's the next one dropping. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.